Um, I don't know about you, but um, I've had many days in my life, many days in my life, that I felt like a failure about something. Just to name a few, uh, as a husband, uh, how many of you know, listen, if you don't know, just ask your spouse, and they will let you know. I tell my wife, I said, I believe God allowed you to be on this planet to keep me humble, okay? And that's, that's what good friends and family uh, do. Uh, you got to watch my father-in-law over here. He, he'll, he'll, he'll really slay me. But I know what it's like, I'm saying, regardless. I've been married 25 years, but it, do, it doesn't matter. How many of you know you're still stupid? Okay? I just got a little, I wouldn't say less stupid. I just, you learn to avoid some things, okay? You're like, listen, I think she might kill me. In fact, like my grandma said one time, 50-something years into her marriage, Johnny, I ain't never thought about divorce, but I have considered murder. Okay? That's, that's one of your jokes for today. I'm sure God's going to bring some other ones to light. Okay? Trying to lighten y'all up before we tuck in. Okay? I would love to tell you those things are scripted, but thank God they are not. But I think you get my point that, you know what, I, I know what it's like to, to feel like a failure as a husband. I definitely know what it's like to feel like a failure as a father. How many of you know, uh, if you don't already feel like a failure as a parent, just give your child time to grow up. Okay? Uh, I told him at the earlier service, I said, um, we had no idea that every one of our kids at approximately 12, sorry, Asher, he's 12, that an alien would overtake him. We thought it was just your children. Okay? In fact, Asher, he put it best. He was, he was being honorary about something sometime many months back. And I said, listen, when your mama says you've got to take a shower, take a shower. He goes, but daddy, I'm trying to be a good teenager. You can't make this stuff up. Okay? In fact, if you're just meeting with me, listen, Jeff Foxworthy is my cousin. Some of y'all are wondering, okay? But I know what it's like to, to not just feel like a joke, but to feel like a failure. I also know that as a pastor. In fact, I mean, if I'm honest, listen, there's just, for me, because I care so much, I see many times, if I'm just looking through my eyes, all the things I didn't do or couldn't do. Or, or, or didn't feel like I was able to have the answers to. And yet, we feel that way with a lot of things, don't we? And I certainly think we feel that way as a child of God. Listen, if, it's not that I hadn't been trying in all areas of my life, but there's just been so many days that I've fallen so short of perfection. And if I didn't know any better, I would constantly think that I'm just a failure. If that's the way I was just looking at things through my eyes. I want you to write this down. I think there's two areas that many people struggle with in life. I think both of these things you need to wrestle with. One is how to humbly handle success. Okay? When God blesses you. When God helps you overcome something. When God brings something to a successful point. How do you handle that? There's only one good way and that's to humbly walk with God through that. Because you, you don't want to forget where you came from and you don't want to forget the one who took you there. But the other thing is this, outside of how to handle success, how to overcome your greatest failures. Because I know this much from watching people and observing things in my, in my own life. Your greatest failure can be either God's greatest um, road ramp or Satan's greatest roadblock. It will be that one thing that you wrestle with, that one thing that you just feel like God God doesn't forgive you for, you can't forgive yourself for, you feel like you can't overcome those past mistakes. 
I want to share with you several things, not everything you need to know, but seven things you, you definitely need to know when it comes to overcoming failure. And the first thing is this. The greatest failure is a failure to try. The greatest failure is a failure to try. You can't accomplish anything great without putting forth some effort or great effort. Listen, the greatest uh, failure is not the failure is, is whenever you didn't even try. See, I can, I've learned I can live with the results if I know I'm trying. I can live with the results. Listen, to have any chance to succeed or make a difference in this world or see things um, uh, become different in your life, you have to be intentional. You have to put forth the effort. You have to do all you can while trusting God for all that you can. That's still how I live my life to this day. I don't sit back and put some formula together. I go, God, show me the next right step. I will take the step you want me to take. I will do the best I possibly can while trusting you for everything I can. By the way, that's the definition of faith. You need to keep planning that definition in your heart. Faith is this, doing everything that you can while trusting God for everything you can. Not doing everything you can your way either. Everything you can to do it God's way and to trust God along the way. You know, you, you listen, we, we do all we can, and then I've learned this from parents that have children much older than mine. Um, you do all you can, and then you trust God to do what you can. Amen? Edmund Burke once said, he said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You know what I see a lot in our culture? I see a lot of people complaining about the problems, but I don't see many people trying to live the solution. Okay, I tell people, I don't have time to rant to you the problems because I, I'm too busy trying to say, God, can you show me how I can help that next lost soul? Can you show me how I can come alongside that marriage that is on the rocks? Can you show me how I can take the next right step? Because what did COVID do to us? It hypnotized us. Satan used it as a, as a, um, a, a Houdini to go, hey, I'm going to startle you here. By the way, we all know the culture stirred up, isn't it? We're stirred up. All right? I, I'm with you. But I want you to hear this. Just think about this. I, I never had perfect parents. I had really good parents. Very God-fearing parents. Did the best they possibly could. I never had a perfect parent, and yet my parents' efforts touched my life. They didn't have to be perfect. I've never had a perfect teacher, but I've had many teachers touch my life. I've never had a perfect pastor as I was growing up. My dad was my pastor, so I can say that. But I had other pastors that I worked with and all. Never had a perfect pastor, but I've had several pastors that God used to touch my life just because they tried to do all they could, and, and God did what he could. Listen, fortunately, success is not about never failing because we all fail. Success is continuing to, to try to change, to grow, and, and to let God lead us despite the failures. Listen, and God leads us even despite the failures. In fact, you need to hear this. God, some of the greatest glory God wants in your life is through the failures that you've experienced, through the hardships that you've experienced. Look at Proverbs 24, 16. It says, the godly, they may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. I would say this. If I did not know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord and find my identity and who he is and who I am in Christ, I would, be, I would have stayed paralyzed in my life based on all that I see in the culture. But you need to understand, why are you still holding it together? Why are you still sane even when you feel insane? Because the Lord your God has held you up, whether you've fallen seven times or a thousand times. 
The good news is all of you, you get one check today, okay? And that's you got up and you got out. You didn't have to. None of you had to. You didn't have to. It says a lot. God sees that. He's like, listen, they're trying to seat me. If you stick with me, I think you're going to find him. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by hand. I hold to that promise every day that if I do every single thing I possibly can to, to take the next right step by faith, that God's got me covered. Okay? You might not believe in that, but I'm telling you, I've been living a long time smothered, covered, just like Waffle House. I've been, I've been walking that, and I've never had God not work it out whenever I continue to do my part. I've never had it happen. doesn't matter what comes against me. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter who leaves me. It doesn't matter what changes happen in my life. God continues to show me he's got a plan. And then he works it all out, and that's why we're sitting here looking at each other with better days than maybe some days in the past. One author said it, said, it is better to make a thousand failures than to be too cowardly to ever undertake anything. Listen, the devil wants you to never attempt anything. He wants to hold you in your fear. He wants to make you feel like your greatest mistake defines who you are. And God's going, listen, failure is part of life. I want you to see number two. Satan keeps lying, hoping that you will quit trying. Satan keeps lying, hoping that you will quit trying. If you're expecting Satan to quit knocking on your heart's door and speaking lies into you, don't hold your breath. He's not going to quit. In fact, listen, the moment that you realize the greatest battle that you ever face is a spiritual battle, then you'll start winning in life, okay? See, if you think it's just about what job you have and whether this goes this way or that goes that way, I've seen plenty of people who they got money in the bank, they got every single else thing that looks picture perfect, and yet they don't have anything because they are tormented by the, by the Satan. Thank you. Listen, the spiritual battle in your life will always be. You will never wake up this side of heaven without, it's like, it's like the little cartoon you got angel on this side, and then you got a little demon over here. Sometimes, by the way, we join forces with a demon. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, Satan is a liar. He is a liar, and his goal is to do anything he possibly can to get you to doubt God's goodness, to get you to miss God's best for your life. And he knows that if he can get you caught up and consumed looking at your failure instead of your Savior, he's got you right where he wants you to be. John 8, 44, Jesus says, the devil, he always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, the more you listen to Satan's lies, the more you won't attempt to do much of anything. Why? Because you are too overcome by the feelings of failure. Listen, the devil loves to keep lying to you, saying you are such a failure. You will never amount to anything. You've made so many mistakes um, that God cannot use you. You're a lost cause. John 10, 10, Jesus tells us the agenda, difference between him and the difference between Satan, our enemy. It says the thief, Satan's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's not talking about the money you'll get. That's talking about the richness of the purpose and the peace in your life. You can't, you can't put money on that. 
Listen, it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up before. It doesn't matter how much of a failure you feel like in life. God still has plans for you, and there's nothing that's happened up to this point that has surprised him. So understand, it can't derail God's plan when God already knew that things would happen. There's plenty of people in the Bible, bad things happen, or they made poor decisions. But as soon as they linked back up with the, with the Lord, things were trucking. Listen, Satan wants you not only to get discouraged, but he wants you to give up. Because when you give up, then you give in. And you miss. You could have come so far. God may have brought you so far up to this point. But, but you might be, it's like, it's like in football, okay? You, you, you get, uh, sometimes people will say, well, hey, how come they could move the ball all the way to this point, but then they got to the 20-yard line and they couldn't punch in the, 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 the touchdown? And it's because in the red zone, the defense gets tougher. The closer you get to your breakthrough, the closer you get to really getting on track with the Lord, the adversity just comes and it comes and it comes, and the defense bucks up because you're so close to getting where you needed to be. And God's using all of those things to, to, to get you there. And Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Sometimes the only thing you can choose that day is to not give up and to not give in and to trust that God's got it and he's got you. But number three, you need to know that success, success involves continuous failure and growth. This isn't something I'm reading or I read about. None of these things are. These are things God has taught me over time. That success, it involves continuous failure and growth. Listen, failure is not the opposite of success. It is part of it. It is part of it. Part of your journey was to go through the things that you've gone through. I know that some people say, well, well, well Pastor, then I got a real problem with God, and I don't have the answers for you in that. All I'm trying to tell you is this, that the greatest lessons learned are usually from our greatest failures. And part of success is, is, is not just failing, but growing from that failure. Listen, there should not be anything that you've ever made a mistake in that, that, that someone can't benefit from. And that first person's you. You know, we either, listen, I'll read that in a moment, but we, we either get stupider or we get more uh, savior dependent in our lives. I don't know where you are, but I'm telling you, that's where I'm at. I, I, I relied on my stupid long enough. I can't do it no more. Can't put up with the guy. Jeremiah 8, 4 says, this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover they're on the wrong road, don't they turn back? See, once, once God opens your eyes, he, listen, he often speaks to you the loudest through the toughest things that you go through. When does God have your most attention? When you're in a crisis. When you reach the end of yourself. Because, see, um, we got we to gotta be emptied to be filled. And, and oftentimes, we, we're, we're not... We're not realizing it, but we're in the way. We're in the way, and so, so something happens in our life, and, and we're, we're, we, we feel like, man, you know what? I can't trust in myself. I can't trust in my situation. Hey, I messed up, or, 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 or I'm overwhelmed. Mistakes allow us to grow. Psalm 119.71 says, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pray or to pay, it, it, that's another one, right? They did taught you, teach you to pray. That's where you start praying. It taught me to pay attention to your decrees. I was speaking with one of my boys one time, and, and he was just really being honest with us and said, um, he said, well, you know, I understand how much faith means to you and mom, um, but I'm just not there yet. I said, well, I don't want you to fake your way there. I mean, he, he just was being honest as a grown boy could be. 
And I said, I said, son, um, I'm, I'm not going to force anything on you. Uh, that's not the way. I've learned that, that doesn't work. That's why we do the love, lift, lead, not to push. Not, not take a Bible and hit them over the head and, and say, I told you Jesus loves you. you know? And they're trying to figure out whether he does because you look like you could kill him. But I told my son this. I said, son, um, I'll tell you this, though, about faith. You won't realize this necessity until it's all you have. And so you're going to have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to experience some things. You're going to have to, to, to flop on some things before you realize that God's plans are better than your plans. You, you're you're going to have to run into those things. How many of you know you can't teach your children lessons that only life can? No one could teach you things that only life could. And so we, 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 we become wiser for it. That, listen, that's where we want to be. We want to benefit from every single thing that we've ever been through. It might even be that it helps you connect with someone else and, and helping them get through. But Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Don't, don't, don't. Listen, just because we were foolish at one time, maybe we didn't know what we know now. Maybe we didn't see what we see now. Maybe the Lord wasn't in your life at that time. Maybe you were running from the Lord at that time. The, the good news is you can regroup with him right now. You can huddle right back up with Jesus. But I bring you to number four. In Christ, we are always a work in progress. We are a God work in progress. The Bible tells us that when we become a, a, a believer in Jesus Christ, we become a new Christian, a new believer. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new life has begun. Notice it says the new life has begun. Not that you have arrived. You don't listen. When you get, a person could give their heart and life to Jesus Christ and mean it sincerely and not know a bit how to live it out there. Okay? You learn that as you go. You learn that as you grow. But it's important to note that every Christian and every child of God is a God work in progress. Listen, by God's grace, you aren't who you used to be. You aren't all you're going to be if you keep putting your little hand in God's big hand. No matter how you feel about yourself, you are a child of God. And listen, if the Spirit of God lives within you, then God is at work in you. Now, he, sometimes he has to work on you before he can work in you. He can be just pulling you, compelling you, trying to get your attention. And, and so he, 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 he's working on you. And then, and then as you allow him, because as they say, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, he doesn't push himself on you. That's you. If you want to choose to reject his way or you can trust his way, that, that, is, that is when he can start working in you. And then before you know it, your, your, yourself, all of a sudden you have, you have a, a Christ confidence. Not a self-confidence, a Christ confidence. You're like, God has changed me. God has forgiven me. God is, God is actually working in my life. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Listen, the Bible says he is the potter, we are the clay. He is constantly trying to mold us and make us into who we want to be. He, he wants to align our attitudes to get in Christ. He wants us to allow our actions to be aligned with Christ. He wants our allegiance to get to the point where we say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no matter what anybody else does or doesn't do. And by the way, I want you to hear this. If your, if your faith commitment is dependent upon what other people do, your faith is not dependent on Christ. 
It should not be dependent upon the pastor or anybody else as to what you do that the Lord tells you to do. Philippians 3, 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul, this is how he overcame his past. He said, I don't mean to say that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the per that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Listen, as long as we're blessed to be breathing this side of heaven in Christ, God is, is working in us because we are a God work in progress. God keeps teaching us, molding us, making us. Listen, your goal this year should be, hey, God, I hope at the end of 2022, I'm not just where I was um, in 2021. Because, listen, we're always evolving. God wants to take those failures and turn them into lessons and, and, and bridges. But number five, this is my most favorite, the cross is bigger than your biggest mistakes. The cross is bigger than your biggest mistakes. If not, we're all doomed. Listen, through human eyes, we, 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 we would go, well, hey, you know what? A person is just the lump sum of their biggest mistakes. But the cross of Christ tells us otherwise. It tells us that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, and no matter what you think of yourself or other people think of you, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, Jesus will forgive you. When it comes to the cross of Christ, it didn't say, hey, God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for some. It said, God so loved the world. That's why I have a real problem when I see people on social media uh, get up underneath a column that's being written about someone who's done something very evil. And, and obviously, uh, we never want to agree or be happy that someone did something evil. And we know people do some horrific stuff out there. But you should not be a blood-bought child of God ever and start writing under there what I see some people write and yet claim they're, they're Christians. They're like, listen, I hope that person um, burns in hell for the rest of their life. And I'm going, but God doesn't. God doesn't. We've got to be very careful that we don't become judge duties. Because when it comes to the cross of Christ, if it didn't cover all of our sins and our worst mistakes, no one would stand. Listen, there's nothing you could ever do that the cross can't help you overcome. I want some of you to hear that. There's nothing you could ever do that the cross can't help you overcome. Now, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Romans 5.8 says, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait on us to clean ourselves up. He says, I love you right where you are, but I love you way too much to leave you there. So I'm going to make a way for things to change. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. Sometimes it's not that God hasn't forgiven us, we haven't forgiven us. And you need, to, you need to embrace, just as much people need to embrace his salvation, people need to embrace God's forgiveness. If you have repented of that sin and you've genuinely said, God, please forgive me, listen, the moment you ask forgiveness, you were forgiven. He's not holding the past against you. He's not planning on holding it against you. In fact, Psalm 103.12 says he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. It is not God's idea or God's um, uh, recommendation that you live historically. See, you can't look forward when you're looking in the past. You can't live out your purpose now when all you're dwelling on is the missed life of purpose then. Listen, you know what I've had to learn as a pastor, as a parent, or anything else? Get over it. Move forward. God, take the wheel. Yeah. 
Listen, when it comes to the cross of Jesus Christ, there's no sin that he can't and won't forgive. There's no past he can't and won't use. And there is no failure that God can't overcome if you let him. Listen, every child of God has a similar story. We once were lost, now we're found. We, we once were deserving of hell, and now we are destined for heaven. And it's not because of us, but it's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Listen, the moment that we start making our, our God story and our salvation story about us, people tune out. You know what people can't stand? Self-righteous people. I can tell you that right now. I don't struggle at all. There's nobody out here anywhere. You can take me to the jailhouse or your house or wherever. I don't struggle in being able to minister to them out there. I've said this before. I've never had anybody not be willing to meet me at Waffle House. But I've had a lot of people who struggle to get into God's house. Because, see, they met some of God's people, and they were like, mm, Pastor, I hear you, but I happen to meet them. Listen, if we don't see ourselves and we don't see other people through the eyes of grace, we'll never overcome much. Listen, you may feel like you got too much high mileage on too many rough roads. You may feel like you're the only person in the, in the place that, that if you started counting sins, yours would outnumber the stars. But you need to understand God wants to lift you out of where you're at. Satan's been telling you and trying to keep you held hostage for a long time. And, and God's going, listen, I brought you here to this point so that you can let me reach in. Psalm 42 through 3 says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on solid rock and he steadied me as I walked along. You're not going to steady yourself, by the way. Quit trying to steady yourself. I gave up on that. I don't trust Craig. But I've learned to trust Christ. In verse 3, it says, He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Listen to that part. What God likes to do is he likes to take people who society has already given up on and show what he can do despite them and for them and through them. And maybe that's you. Listen, God wants many to see what he has done in your life what he's doing in your life. And that's why your past is supposed to be part of your God story. It's always amazing when it's amazing grace. But number six, don't fear the giants around you. Trust that God is with you. Don't fear the giants around you. Trust that God is with you. Now, if I had done what I originally planned for this service, I was going to do what I've done a couple different times over the last 21 years or so is... is, is, um, is, is do a whole message kind of centered around 9-11. It's hard to believe that, that, that September 11th and, and, and the attack on the U.S. took place, I think, 21 years ago. But it reminds me of this. You know, when we think about 9-11, we instantly, if we were old enough to, to, to even roughly know what was going on, it is a painful reminder that anything can happen. And so what it does is it resurrects a fear if we, if we think on it or we dwell on it too much. You know, sometimes it's not good that you dwell or look at pictures or, 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 or even see certain news. But, but hear me, um, we, we have these fears, don't we? Not just about what can happen in the White House, but what can happen in the schoolhouse and what can happen in the church house. And by the way, we got security around here. Devil, just so you know. And, and, and we also know, and I, and I say that for this reason. Just, you don't have, just because you have faith don't mean that you don't operate out of facts. Okay? You still got to put together your best plan while you trust God for the rest of the covering. But we know we worry about the schoolhouse, we worry about the White House, and we worry about our own house, don't we? 
The only way that we overcome the giants around us, the fears around us, is to put our faith and trust in the God that is with us. Listen, if you're a true child of God, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, This spirit lives in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Listen, that's what separates someone who is a child of God from someone who's going to say, I got to take my life because I can't take any more. If you want to know how it happens, that's how it happens. When you no longer feel like you have a lifeline. But listen, as long as you've got the Lord and you know the Lord and you know that he's with you, you've got a lifeline. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What are you going to face? What am I going to face that's greater than God? Deuteronomy 31.8 says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Jesus comes along and says something very bold, and he actually tells us to have a different kind of fear. Look at this, Matthew 10, 28. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Listen, if you're going to fear anybody, you need to have a healthy fear of the Lord because the Scripture says that's the beginning of wisdom. Worry more what God thinks than what society thinks. Be focused more on what God's doing and what God can do than what man could do. Because no matter how many times you play the game, God's greater. He's greater. He's greater. Every single thing has to come through him. There is nothing that can touch you. There is nothing that can hurt you. There is nothing that can take your life that is not divinely allowed. And when it's your appointment, it's your appointment. But you've got to trust God until it's time for you to get to heaven. But last but not least, maybe this will be refreshing to you. You need to know that every day is a new beginning. Every day is a new beginning. One of the things I learned real early in my life was that I could come to God anytime. Okay? And, and it didn't matter how I felt about me. It didn't matter how I, I'm making up words here. It didn't matter how Christian-y I felt. I was the pastor's son, and yet from 12 to 18, like I said, I'm pretty sure I gave my heart to the Lord about 50 times. I was like, my God, I don't want to go to that hell. And, and what, what would happen is um, sometimes your faith, when you're first early into faith, your, your, your faith is dependent upon how you feel. And faith isn't about feelings. Faith is about trust. Faith is a choice. It, it, it is putting your absolute trust in your Savior, not your situation, in Christ, not your feelings and confidence about yourself. Listen, by grace through faith, every single day you wake up, including this day, is a new opportunity and it is a new beginning. And listen, God will give you the grace you need. You may go, well, well nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to forgive me. It starts with knowing God forgives you. And God can renew you. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. If you've ever messed with a computer, you know that there's this thing to where if you're looking at something and you want to refresh your, 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 whatever you're looking at on that page, that's the way it is in our lives. Sometimes we've we got to hit the refresh button. And, and you know where that starts? That, that you get down on your knees. You get down on your knees and you say, God... Forgive me of my sins. Take over my life or take back control of my life, whatever that might be for you. God, today, I want this to be a God-made day. I want this to be the day that the Lord has made, and I want to rejoice in it. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for a new opportunity to get it right. That's what I love, by the way. I mean, I look for this every Sunday just so, so I'm real with you, every Sunday. 
every Sunday. I'm up here like a man that's, that's, that's still hunting for deer, saying, God, I can't wait until the next one gets it. I can't wait until the next one realizes how much you love them. I can't wait until the next person really believes that your grace and your mercies are new each day because they can change like that. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Best position you'll ever take is on your knees, genuinely before the Lord. And the scripture says, then he's going to pick you up. Look at Psalm 145, 14. It says, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. I close with this passage. You've heard it before. Isaiah 41, 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Folks, Satan's going to continue to try to go through your greatest feeling of weakness and failure. But the cross says all of that can be forgiven and your life can be changed forevermore. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, God, I, I just pray that, that you have spoken clearly to your people. I pray that they would hear your voice. They would know your love, God, and they would reach out for your embrace. May they know, Lord, that you love them no matter what they've done, God, and that you will forgive them the moment that they repent and give it to you, and you will set them free. God, I pray for that person that's just really struggling to overcome something that has had a hold on them for a long, long time. God, I pray today they would walk away in freedom. The day they would walk away not walking in fear, but walking by faith. God, today that they would know that there's others around them that understand the struggle, understand the battle, but are still in the faith with them. Lord, we thank you that we aren't who we used to be, and we aren't all we're going to be. We trust you fully, God, today with your plans and your will for our lives. Lord, at this invitation time, I pray each would respond to you in the way that you're calling them. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? This altar's open. You can come down here and just pray. Or I'm available here to speak with you, pray with you here.